second episode of the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today, our topic is putting the pieces together. And what I mean by that is what I want to take a look at today is how do we see the linking thread between passages of Scripture? How do we see two parts of a particular book in the Bible are actually wedded together? Or how do we see how truth can sometimes be displayed in different sections of different parts of of different letters of the Scripture? Um, A lot of times I find that if we isolate one passage and don't understand the whole counsel of God, we miss some of the rich truths that are available and that actually make certain difficult passages maybe more uh, easily understood or obscure passages come into better light. So what I want to look at today, a couple examples. Um, I'm titling this Life in the Spirit, this first point. I don't know if it's the best descriptor, but for the sake of this podcast, it'll have to do. So Life in the Spirit. So I want to look at a passage in in the book of John, and I'm going to start jumping around and try to thread diff- these different verses together so that you can see maybe something that's not uh, easily noticed the first time you might read a cursory level of, of this particular passage. So uh, John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus makes this statement. He says, Jesus gave this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. We'll stop right there. First of all, let me just point out a couple things just off the bat in this passage alone that are incredible. Uh, Number one, Jesus says that he can only do what he sees the Father doing, and then he reveals two key truths that allow him to operate in this reality that he's actually able to do what he sees the Father doing, and here they are. Number one, Jesus believes that the Father actually loves him. (laughs) That may sound like a no-brainer, but I'm telling you, most of us know those words, of course God loves me. But to know the depth of what that actually means, what that feels like, what that looks like, what are all the facets of that love, to let that be a rock-solid foundation in your life is a far different thing than a simple phrase that you can utter in the midst of being asked the question, is God loving? Well, of course God's loving. Well, what does that mean? How do you know? What does that feel like? What does that look like? How is that actually fleshed out? In real life. And the second thing that Jesus gets at is he says, So the Father loves the Son, and the second part, and He shows Him all He does. I know in my own life, I, for years, when I would read this passage, it was so stressful because I read it through the lens of of performance. And so what I read is, Jesus knew what the Father was doing, and He did that. He was on it like white on rice. And what I missed was this understanding that Jesus had that he actually believed the Father carried the weight of showing him, showing Jesus what he was doing. Jesus didn't put the weight on himself to figure out what the Father was doing. He entrusted himself to the care of the Father knowing that God would show him what he had in store for that day. 
Now, hopefully that's an encouraging thought or two, but I want to I wanna spread that out a little bit more. And I want to look at a passage in uh, John 6, where Jesus makes another interesting statement. And then I want to tie these two together to maybe show you a bigger picture of what Jesus' life looked like, a life in the Spirit, a life in relationship with God uh, in a day-to-day way. So John chapter 6, verse 44, makes this statement. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at that last day. i read that one more time. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So if you take that idea that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him, and Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing, think about it this way. How did Jesus know what the Father was doing? Because another deep understanding of the ways of God that Jesus had in his heart and mind is he knew what God was doing, he would actually bring into Jesus' life day in and day out. Jesus didn't have to go fighting and searching and figuring out what the Father was doing because he knew no one can come to me unless my Father actually draws him to me. So how did Jesus know what the Father was doing? Because he believed that the people that he ran into that day were the people that Jesus, that the Father had already designed Jesus to interact with that day. He believed that the Father was working on his behalf. And he would bring people into Jesus' line of sight. He would bring him along the path that Jesus was walking that day, literally, not just figuratively. And the people that he'd meet along the road, the people that he would meet as he went about day-to-day life. Those are the people I believe that Jesus knew the Father was setting him up. And here's what began to happen. As Jesus would heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, preach good news to the poor, as he went about this kingdom lifestyle, word got out. And now people were trying to figure out, where's Jesus going to be today? What's he going to be doing? And they would meet him. In other words, his reputation preceded him. And for some, that was great news. For others, that was frustrating, specifically the religious leaders of his day uh, most of the time. And it's a fascinating way to live because what you free yourself up from, or a better way to say that is what God frees us up from is this anxiety to try to figure out what God's doing. And what we do is we actually trust the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct to we trust those those impulses of God to to do the next thing or to take action in a certain area of life and we trust him that what comes out of that the people that we meet the conversations we have the letters we write the emails we send that those are the things that God had for us that day and we can rest that God is big enough to make us fruitful men and women, and it's not up to us out of our own strategizing and performance to make our lives fruitful. You know, it makes me think of what we read about in John 14 when Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe it's in verse 20. 
Uh, let's see, John 14, verse 26. There it is. It says, But the Counselor, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So did you catch that? Two roles of the Holy Spirit are to teach you all things. If you're confused as to what all means, simply means this, all. <laughs> and it says that he will remind you of everything Jesus said. Again, that is good news. So again, we take the burden off of ourselves to remember what we read in our quiet time today or to remember what we heard a friend say that was really powerful six months ago. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is like, like the cloud on your iPhone, that he, he has everything stored within him, that you are in his life, you are in his flow, and he brings things to mind as you need them. It's not up to you to have everything downloaded onto the hard drive of your brain because you have the Holy Spirit who exceeds the capacity of your ability to remember. And he enables you to, rem to remember things when you need it at the right time. What does that do? It takes the burden and the pressure off of you to remember everything so that you have the right answer at the right time. And what it does is it deepens your trust in God that He will have the right answer at the right time and He is able to communicate those things to your heart and mind when you need them. Everybody just take a big sigh of relief when you hear that. That is good news. And he is the teacher. I love John 16 describing the Holy Spirit where it says that he will guide you into all truth. Again, do you see how the language of the scripture, when you start putting these pieces together, what do we realize? We realize that we really have everything in Jesus. We may not understand it all. We may not know it all, but it's there. And as we journey in this relationship with God, he reveals bit by bit. We get greater clarity, greater understanding. Things become more second nature uh, to us. And life really does uh, work that way. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to control it all. We can trust the one who has it all figured out, which is good news in my book. And I want to I take these real quick and just tie them into one other thing. So let's just, let's walk this back through again. So John 5, Jesus only can do what he sees the Father doing. John 6, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And I want to take those, those two thoughts and put them in the context of Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. Think about it. That's a biblical call for every believer to make disciples, but think about it in light of John 5 and John 6. How do we go and make disciples every day? Or how do we go and make disciples of all nations in our day-to-day -day life? Well, number one, we trust that no one can come to into our lives unless the Father draws them, unless the Spirit of God is drawing them to Jesus who is within us. And, and that, that, that's out of John 6. And then John 5. So therefore, if we'll just do what the Father's doing, which that means just recognizing the people he brings into our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, then maybe that's a beginning point for learning how to make disciples. Maybe it's not running around trying to find people who will let us teach them. But maybe it's trusting God who's orchestrating all things, who's 
who's divinely ordering our lives and trust that those relationships and those thoughts that he gives us that we share and that those will grow into powerful truth that's communicated that begin to resonate in people's hearts that they begin to have an awakening of faith that they would be interested in learning to discover who God is themselves. And that then we just recreate the process by taking them to those same passages that changed us from the inside out. And maybe that's how we begin to make disciples in a way that's not stressful, but in a way that's restful. And jumping from there, so if that's how we make disciples, then maybe Matthew 16, where Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter's response is, you are the Christ. And he says, upon this rock or upon that revelation, Peter, that I am the Christ, I will build my church. Maybe the way the church grows and thrives is because we're learning how to make disciples because we are learning our identity in Christ and how the Spirit of God orchestrates life in a way that sets us up for victory not causes us to strive for victory. And the church begins to thrive, it begins to move, it begins to grow, it begins to transform. And people's lives are impacted. So do you see how we start taking John 5, John 6, John 14, John 16, Matthew 28, Matthew 16, and we begin to see this whole tapestry begin to emerge of this is how God thinks, this is how God sees, this is how God has designed us to live and to really experience joy in life and being fruitful. Not because we're trying harder, but because Christ in us is empowering us to see his kingdom expand in, in us as well as through us. So there's one example of seeing passages threaded together through the scripture. The second one I wanted to take a stab at is um, the subject of faith. Now, this will be a little bit shorter, but I just wanted to take a brief look at Hebrews 11, verse 1, and then Romans 10, verse 17. So Hebrews 11, 1 says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Okay, so a couple things that I notice right off the bat. It says faith is being sure and it's being certain. It's being sure of, a, of something that we're hoping for, so it's positive. <laughs> and it's being certain of something that our eyes don't physically see yet. That's faith. And I want to make this statement. Faith is not striving to believe God. Real faith is resting because... You trust God. Faith is certainty. It's surety. It's not anxiety. It's not fear. It is deep trust that God is who he says he is, and God does what he says he, do, what he, says he will do. And I want to tie this back to Romans 10, verse 17, because there's a powerful realization in this verse that helps us understand faith. Verse 10, verse 17 of chapter 10 says, consequently faith, which is what? It's the 
assurance of things hoped for. It's the certainty of things not seen. So there's a certainty, there's a surety of faith. So consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. That doesn't mean faith comes by hearing a sermon or faith comes because someone reads the Bible. It means faith comes from hearing the message through the word of Christ. The person of Jesus is the word of God. When we, when our minds and hearts are sunk into the reality of Christ and his work of completion on the cross and what that separated us from and what that separated us to. So in other words, we know the old is gone. We know the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When our hearts and minds are anchored in that truth, do you know what the result is? Faith. Why? Because we're no longer trying to earn from God we're no longer trying to qualify before God. We recognize Jesus qualified us. Jesus gave us righteousness. Jesus gave us his spirit that has nine fruit described in Galatians 5. Jesus gave these things as a gift. The hearing of that, the repetitive hearing of that, the hearing that over and over and over again, brings our emotions to a point, to a place of trust, of rest, of peace, of joy, of life. And when that's happening, then when we're going throughout life and those simple impressions from the Spirit of God that I would, I would add that line up with what the Word of God says, those impressions that lead us to action there is a life on them. There is power on them. When we act, we're not acting to get something from God. We're acting because now God is acting through us. That's Philippians 2. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure, or some translations say purpose. But do you see what I'm saying? Faith. How do we grow in faith? By the hearing of the message of what Jesus has done. And what that means now for me. What has that done in my life? What has that given me? What doors has that opened? What opportunities are there relationally with God and with people because of what Jesus purchased? When, I, when that gets in my heart and mind by hearing it, by just that divine imagination, thinking about it, enjoying the thought of what God has accomplished in Christ, Faith is the byproduct. It's the evidence. It's you don't know why you know, but you know it's going to happen. You may not know when. You may not know how. But there is a conviction that allows you to stand as well as allows you to enjoy the waiting process. Man, that's good. I'm encouraged just hearing that. <laughs> hearing myself talk here. So, in conclusion, let me say this. All Scripture is God-breathed. Absolutely believe that. But it's when it's correctly handled in its proper place and context 
that we see it most clearly. It's real easy to strip a verse out of context and make it a prison chamber instead of a liberating truth. And that doesn't mean it always feels good to read a truth in context, rightly handled. Sometimes it can sting, but I'm telling you, even that correction that God will give through his word, by his spirit, or or through a friend, um, is liberating. It sets you free every time. It, it releases you from these negative emotions, from these old man ways of thinking. Um, and it sets you free uh, to go on a journey again with God that's, that's enjoyable. Um, we may not have it all figured out, but at the end of the day, I don't know anyone that really wants to have it all figured out. It's kind of boring when life is all figured out. So thanks for listening. And watch the Twitter and Facebook feed for the next episode of the Wisdom Podcast. Take care.